Yo, 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 welcome to episode 15 of the Basketball Card Podcast. I am your host, the 27 Guy. Welcome and thank you again for uh, for listening, downloading the podcast. Um, I need more questions for next week's mailbag episode. So please, please send me a PM. Send me, uh, tweet me at, at the 27 Guy. Um, yeah, I've only got a couple of questions right now. I'd like to have at least three or four uh, if we need to push it back a week, then I'm happy to do that too. But I was kind of planning on that for next week. But, you know, with the playoffs going on, maybe we'll just, there's a lot to talk about right now. So um, maybe maybe we'll, we'll hold that for the foreseeable future. But if you have any questions, feel free uh, to send those. Um, I'd like to start a, a new, a new um, part of each episode, though. I'd like to start each episode with a collector spotlight um, where... I take something that you write about what you collect or what you're working on or about you and share that via the podcast. Um, I don't know if the reach of the podcast is great enough for that to create any value for you, but if it is, I'd love to be able to share that and I'd love to be able to learn more about you guys. Um, I see a lot of you on Blowout or on eBay or you know we correspond via email or whatever, but... Um, I think this hopefully will be a good way for, for you to be able to um, kind of maybe help yourself in something that you're working on. Um, if, you have, if you have a specific goal that you're working on or set or, or project or whatever, this could be a cool way to talk about it um, and maybe help you find stuff. Um, again, I know I don't know if I don't know if there if it provides any additional value over what blowout does, but but possibly I know there are a few people who are listening who aren't blowout uh, people. So anyway, if you want to do that, uh, send me a PM via blowout, or send me um, you can you can tweet me, you can follow me on Twitter, and then just DM me there, um, you know, or you can contact me via the blog. Any of those ways totally works fine fine with me. Um, I I don't want to do too much email stuff just because I don't want to open up t- too many places. Um, where I where I have to check, but I think if you want to contact me in one of those ways, that w- that'll be cool. So yeah, let's hope. Hopefully, hopefully we can have our first collector spotlight next week. And as long as we have something new that somebody's working on all the time, hopefully we can do one of those a week. So please send those to me uh, when you get the chance. Um, next point, uh, I've I've seen lots on National Treasures coming out soon. Which is um, kind of funny because I think we've also seen previews for Gala and Lux over the course of the last week. It kind of makes me wonder if those others will come first. I believe that um, we've we've gotten to see either Immaculate or National Treasures in April uh, in, in each of the last couple of years. Which makes me a little bit nervous in that we haven't seen either one. We're coming up to May real quick. We may have a May through October where we're seeing National Treasures, Immaculate, Flawless, and possibly Eminence. Um, and, you know, some of the other high-end stuff like Gala and Noir. And I, I just, there's there's a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm a big fan of the, the high-end stuff. But I, I'm kind of hoping that they consolidate it a little bit this year. I've heard rumors that the, that the rookie... Um, Print runs out of National Treasures are lower, but as you know, the the um, 
the previews have been pretty limited. I think we've only seen mock-ups at this point. I, th I don't think we've actually seen anything legit. Um, we've seen, like I said, some gala and some lux, um, but it's just it's strange for them to all hit at the same time. It's strange that it's happening now. I I really would love to see Panini work harder to give us something significantly more high end around February or January or March, basically right as the football season's wrapping wrapping up. I don't understand why they don't do that. I understand for production purposes on rookies and games and stuff, some of that stuff might be a little bit hard, but um, I feel like that's something that they need to be able to provide. And so at some point, I'd love to have somebody from Panini on the um, on the podcast. Um, I've talked about this. Somebody from Panini, somebody from Beckett, and I'd love to be able to kind of ask your questions via the podcast and give them an outlet that's not just something that they provide, but a real place where somebody can ask them, like, like, you know, kind of how the press does, how the media does when um, they're talking to NBA players or coaches. They, they get to ask real questions. I'd like to ask um, I'd like to ask each of them about kind of the things that we have questions about. And so uh, that's the goal. We want to get to that at some point. But <laughs> for right now, um, we're still working on the conversational pieces. I'm still in the middle of my busy season. And so... Um, yeah, that's where we are with that. So National Treasures, hopefully soon. I wanted to go through, um, like kind of like we did last week, and do a quick playoff review. There's there's so much stuff that's going on in the playoffs right now, and I'd like to look at it more from a hobby perspective where I think that's important to look at it. You can go to the um, Zach Lowe's and Bill Simmons and... David Locks and and listen to them talk about the playoffs and, and you get really really top notch analysis from those guys, um, and and we can talk about that a little bit here. But I want to talk more about in terms of how it can be impactful to um, the hobby and to those of you who are out there kind of looking at what you should be buying and what should you should be selling. Um, Hopefully you're just a collector and you don't care about those things. But in today's day and age, a lot of us care about more than just uh, more than just collecting. And um, I am unfortunately, to some of you, uh, one of those guys. So let's look at a few of these things right now. Um, so I mentioned last week that the Toronto Indiana series I thought was interesting. Um, you know, actually, before I, before I say anything else about the playoffs, let me just point out um, that. Four or five days ago, the narrative was that the first round of the playoffs sucks. I think if there's something that we've learned over the course of the last few days, it's that the first round of the playoffs does not suck. That there is real competi competition, that there's parity, and there's a number of series that could still go either way. Now, it may end up happening that, mo that the majority of the uh, favorites win. It doesn't look like they're all going to win. And it looks like there is a lot of parity, and I, th I think I think the first round is actually pretty interesting right now. Um, out of the eight series, and most of you probably noticed that half of them, four of the eight, were tied after game four, and that's very unusual. Usually, there's a larger number of uh, sweeps or three ones, and as you know, three a three one lead in a playoff series it gives you a very high probability of winning. As of a few years ago, I think only like eight or nine teams had ever come back from down 3-1. Uh, but, but we have four, four of the eight that were, that were quite competitive. 
Um, so let's go into each of those. The first one, like I said, Toronto and Indiana. DeMar DeRozan had just really been terrible the first four games of the series, um, but Toronto was able to keep it even. And then tonight, uh, midway through the fourth quarter, Toronto was just ha- having it handed to him by Indiana. Paul George is really good. Reminds me, his game reminds me an awful lot of Tracy McGrady's, actually. The way he can handle, the way that he can defend the length, the ability to pull up kind of and get that out of the phone booth sort of jump shot that only those two guys in Durant have off the top of my head, um, where they just rise straight up and can hit the shot from just about anywhere. Um, and not only that, but he, Paul George is just absolutely a defensive hound and a killer on a guy like DeRozan, where the scout... And you've got you've got a, a a bunch of time to scout the guy and figure out what he likes to do. And DeRozan know, or George knows at this point what DeRozan wants to do, and he's just owned him. The, he owned him the first four games of the series, uh, which is funny because right after Game One, I, I mentioned this last week. I went out and bought a couple of super not super high end but pretty high end DeRozan cards. Um, kind of with an understanding that he's not super overpriced. I feel like he's undervalued, and I think there's a good chance he goes to the Lakers in the offseason and that his stuff takes off. And uh, so then as soon as I did that, he just totally tanked it. Looked like a just looked like a little boy out there. Didn't have any idea what he was doing. Um, and then tonight, they're down by double digits in the fourth quarter. And went on, a, I think, a 23-2 run and were able to pull out the victory against Indiana in a game that they had no business winning. Uh, DeRozan was huge. He had 34. I think George had 36 or 38. And uh, those two kind of had a, a great a great battle and really a must-win game for both teams. Now Toronto's road, or now Indiana's road to pull out the series is really tough. Um, I do think they still have some really uh, great mismatches that they can exploit, and I still think they have a good chance to win the series. Um, but if you had to put, put money on it, obviously at this point, with a 3-2 lead, you'd probably have to take Toronto. So hobby perspective, Paul George is reminding us of how good he is. And like I said, I think DeRozan, especially with his chance to leave to L.A., is somebody to look at right now. Kyle Lowry's always been super undervalued, too. Um, they've got a couple young guys on that team that you have to look at as well. Um, but I don't want to take too much time on, on all of that. So um, can't give each of these series like five minutes. So we'll, we'll try to move a little bit quicker here. Uh, Miami-Charlotte. Miami had looked, looked completely like it was just overwhelming. Charlotte in the first couple of games. And Steve Clifford was asked, well, you know, what do you, what do, you do? What are you going to do differently? And I was really... I, you have to commend him for his answer. He didn't really give way to the media. He just said, you know what? We've missed shots, but we've been playing the right way. And sometimes the best thing to do is just to keep doing what you're doing and hope that the shots fall because I think it's been highly unusual that we've missed the way that we have in the first couple of games. you got to give him credit because most people would would really panic and try to change something up and and uh, and try to go you know, act like a good coach. But he felt comfortable with his with his uh, scheme, and and I give him a lot of credit because here we are, and, and we're four games in, and, this, and uh, the Hornets have pulled out the last two. Kemba Walker is 
as you know, one of the most undersized point guards in the league. And as he showed us kind of at UConn, though, he is capable of doing some things. And he, I think he finished second in, in um, most improved. And that's really a testament to him because he's improved pretty consistently over the last few years. But this year has been the biggest jump. And you have to look at him now and say, where does he fall in terms of best point guards in the league? I think you could make a, an argument he's a top six or seven point guard in the league, and I wouldn't have ever guessed that out of him. Um, you know, they've never won. Um, I don't know that they'd ever won a playoff game, actually, going into this year. They've won two now. I know they haven't ever won a series. Um, going back to the Raptors, actually, if DeRozan and Lowry can get them into the second round, I believe it'll be the first time since the Vince Carter-led Raptors got them there. So for all of those Raptors fans out there, and there are some, there, the Toronto has a really good fan base, a great fan base. In fact, um, that that could mean something as well uh, for in terms of uh, collectability. Uh, you know, unless, like I said, he, he, he jets this summer and goes off to, to L.A. I believe he's an unrestricted free agent this, this year, and he can go play in L.A. if he wants to. Um, but back to Charlotte, you got to look at Kemba Walker. Um, you know, they have some bigs. They have some other, other interesting pieces. But from, from a collectability perspective, I think who you're looking at um, in terms of who's a guy who could be the face of the franchise, who were if they if they were able to get out of the series, could see a significant bump. It is Kemba Walker. Somebody mentioned his name in a thread on Blowout recently that was asking the question, "Who has the chance at the biggest bump this off season?" And I, as soon as I read that, I thought, "Yeah, that makes sense." I remember as of a couple, maybe eighteen months ago, you could get his acetate out of Immaculate, which I think is numbered to fifteen. Or ten, something, something pretty low numbered. I don't know his jersey number. It's number to his jersey number, whatever that is. Um, you could get it for a pretty good price. I, I have to guess though, that's a that's a card that could really see a jump. I don't have any Kemba Walker stuff. Totally not biased here, but um, he, the way he plays too, I don't see any reason that he can't do it for another four or five years if he avoids injury, which is something we'll get to here in a sec as injuries are playing a huge. Um, role in, in the playoffs right now. Boston Atlanta has been an interesting series. Boston has um has somehow figured it found out a way to pull out the last two games despite a huge game from Paul Millsap. I think he scored 45. Um and and also despite the fact that Atlanta owned Boston in 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 each of the first two matchups of that series. And then the, the series came back uh, again tonight to Atlanta and Atlanta own Boston again. So Boston's pulled out their home games, but Atlanta's really owned Boston in their home games. So um, it kind of looks like one of those series that, you know, obviously is going to go six games or seven games, but the Ant Atlanta feels like they're in control. You just, you can't, you have to wonder if, if Boston can pull out a, a crazy game seven um, if they get to that point. Uh, but right now it doesn't seem like that too much. Uh, this series is harder to hone in on. Who do you who do you look at in terms of hobby uh, hobby perspective? I think Atlanta has a chance to really compete um, against the Cavs in round two. I mentioned that last week. Um, there they have they have some things that I think will make it that that are difficult matchups for Cleveland. Paul Millsap's one of the better defenders in the league against um, against LeBron, and they also have Bazemore. And they've got some other pieces that that will make that difficult, um, but uh, 
but Boston has some of the best wing defenders in the league, even though Avery Bradley went down. And I mentioned that last week. I thought the Avery Bradley injury would really put Boston out of it. But you've got to give Evan Turner a ton of credit. Um, you've got to give, uh, obviously, Isaiah Thomas a ton of credit. But but when you look at, when you look at Boston, um, it's hard to figure out from a hobby perspective where to go with that. Isaiah Thomas is probably the most natural person to look at. Um, and he has some great stuff, again, from the, that great rookie rookie crop of 2012-13, the dual rookie crop. He ha- he has the, the original Immaculate Acetate. He has um, some great cards out of Flawless and National Treasures. And he's right in that prime th- third, fourth year um, of, of the hobby to, to, to take a jump. And it, he's, he's already done that. Um, but he's going to be back next year, and as we talked about last last podcast, Boston's really primed to do some interesting things in the offseason. One, because they have a ton of money. Everybody has a ton of money, so that's not a huge deal. Two, they have the right coach to bring in potential free agents. Three, they're probably going to have a top three or four pick in the draft. Um, along with number four, they're all their other draft picks that are after that, they need to be able to... They need to be able to take all of those assets and consolidate them into some really nice assets. Um, and if they're able to do that, Boston could be primed for a run, and one of those pieces could be Isaiah Thomas. Um, I don't know who, who the other pieces are. They've got a bunch of above-average guys, but no, no, like you don't look at Kelly Olenek and think, that's a guy who I should collect. He's really good. I'm not sure he's a guy you should collect. Maybe Jay Crowder is. Maybe. Um... I don't know. Maybe Jay Crowder is. There's some Draymond Green there. There's some, uh, you know, I, not not just in ter- not in terms necessarily of how he plays, although there is some similarities there. But in terms of his leadership and and some of the other things that he provides. Um, but as for Atlanta, I don't know who to pick up on with that team because there's not not only is there not a main guy, I'm not sure there's a main three guys on that team. I'm not sure there's a main four or five guys. There's like six or seven guys on that team that are all very integral to the success of the team. But there's nobody to look at and say, there's the guy that you should collect. There's the guy who has the chance to make the real jump this year. I would just say that Paul Millsap's rookie stuff is cheap. Super cheap. That might be something worth looking at. Um, I mean, Horford's stuff's not expensive either. Corver stuff's not super expensive, although he's got a couple of super collectors that kind of go pretty hard hard after his stuff. Paul Millsap, Paul Millsap's got some rookie stuff that's really cheap. Um, part of that's that he's in a different uniform, um, and that well, you know, the the hawk, but the hawks just there aren't a whole lot of hawks super collectors out there, right? Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Atlanta pull out, pull off a series against Cleveland. Obviously, they have to make it past Boston first. But um, anyway, move on to the next series. So that takes us to the fourth series that was tied at two two, and that was Portland L.A. And if you've listened to all the podcasts, you know that I've really gone back and forth on this series. A couple of months ago, I predicted that Portland would climb from where they were at that point, which is barely in the playoffs to the number five spot. They did. I'm proud of myself for that prediction. But I also predicted that I thought they'd beat the Clippers. But when push came to shove and the playoffs started, I looked at the way that the Clippers were playing, actually the last couple of 
the last month going into the playoffs. I looked at it and I said, you know what? I think I predicted this wrong. I think the Clippers are a way better team than I thought they were. I got to give them credit. I got to give Chris Paul credit. And Blake looks like he's focused. DeAndre looks like he's focused. This team looks like it's prime for a, a run. And I actually said that I thought they had a chance to, to beat the Warriors. I really did. I think they match up pretty well against the Warriors. I thought they had a chance. But then this then we know what happened just last night. Chris Paul breaks his hand and their series is over. We also find out that Blake Griffin's out for the year. They're they're done. I mean, there's a chance they can figure out a way to beat Portland two out of these last three games. I don't think that'll happen, but there's a chance. But they will just get annihilated by Golden State if that's the case. You have to hope that if you're if you're just a pure NBA fan, you have to hope Portland wins, and that the McCollum Lillard combination can be um, can give Golden State uh, kind of a match. Um, and since, as we also learned this week, Steph Curry got hurt um, and will be out at least two weeks, Portland has the chance to push Golden State a little bit. Portland's one of the few teams that beat them in the regular season. They played them really tough, and that's because of that amazingly strong offensive backcourt of Lillard and McCollum. Plumlee's playing some decent big man point guard as well. You look at his assist numbers and how he's playing. He gets into the teeth of the defense and does some things with the ball that are pretty impressive. I've always been impressed with Plumlee uh, ever since he really uh, kind of burst onto the scene scenes with the national team a few years ago. Shashevsky didn't just put him on the team. Coach K didn't just put him on the team because he's a past Duke guy. He's a talented guy. And so you take him and those two guards and the other pieces that they have, you know, Crab and, uh, you know, I don't know, some of, those, some of the other guys they have on that team. They have another big who can shoot, and I always forget his name whenever I talk about Portland. Um, but uh, and Amino, Amino's worked out great for them this year This year as well. He's increased his shooting percentage. He's, he's still the great wing defender that he's been in the past. And they've rallied around their great coach. Terry, Scott, Terry Stotts is a top five coach in the league year after year. Kind of a, a more modern Rick Carlisle. Uh, it kind of reminds me of when, when Rick Carlisle burst onto the scenes 12, 13 years ago. So um, Port Portland's going to win that series, and I think. And then I think Portland's going to give Golden State a little bit of a run. I think Golden State will probably win that series in six games, um, maybe five. I think Portland will get at least one. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Portland really push them, though. Um, I had thought originally that it might have been smart for Golden State to uh, waste time against Houston and intentionally lose a game or even two games to prevent them from having to play the Clippers without Steph for the first five or six games in the series because I don't think they would have won that. But now where Chris Paul's hurt, I think that you just... You just do what you can to get rest for the whole team and win games as fast as you can. And then the NBA has to has to intentionally slow the series down, even if San Antonio gets there quickly and the Clippers get there quickly because they don't want a huge break between the conference finals and the final state. And the finals date is set. So um, the last thing on this is Golden State and the Steph Curry injury and how that affects everything. I don't know. I, I've i been saying that the value in Steph Curry is um, 
built in that they're going to go win the championship. And we've seen his stuff take a hit over the last week. But that's, I think, the sort of natural, just small hit. I think what we're seeing right now is pretty close to what his value is. And his value is really high. He's the most valuable player in the league right now um, in terms of, you know, in, in terms of how, how he compares with other players' similar cards. Um, I think his popularity, I mean, this is the thing that we all forget. You know, car- cards don't have any real value behind them. You know, you always hear they're worth whatever somebody's willing to pay. That's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, like, a stock a stock is also worth what somebody's willing to pay or it's also worth what that what owning that percentage of the company makes you right um in terms of uh dividends um and in terms of liquidation like what percentage you actually own of the company uh a, a card doesn't have any value it's just it's a it's a piece of cardboard possibly with fabric possibly with ink doesn't really it's not it doesn't have any utility and so um as i as i think about these guys and i think about popularity i think that a lot of us get into this game of prospecting and flipping and trying to figure out what the next big thing is and trying to figure out where things are going when really at the end of the day there's lots of ups and downs on the roller coaster but popularity is what really matters and Steph has reached a level of popularity that I don't think is coming down. And I don't think it's really going up that much more either. And so what I think I'm trying to say is I think it's I think his values are probably pretty close to what they are right now. Now, I think there have been some games. I still think that the Topps rookie has been manipulated. Um, but I think it's gotten down back to pretty close to probably where it should be. Um, you know, that most of them that aren't graded are, are ending under $200 now. And that's where they should be. Um, I think they might drop a little bit lower. You know, they might get down to 75 or 60 or something like that. But that's probably about right, given that year and the rarity and the fact that it was the only Topps product and those types of things. Um, I think I think that the injury is what it is. I think that there's a chance that he goes and has a Jordan game five flu game sort of a Willis Reed comeback like this could add to his legacy this could be part of the Golden State story at the same time I've been talking about Kawhi Leonard here for a couple of months and the potential that San Antonio just goes out there and drills Golden State in the playoffs and that potential is there especially with this injury I just don't think whether they win or lose that his value will change as much as the majority of people think it's going to change. I think if he wins, it'll go up a little, and if they lose, it'll go down a little. Right? Real real brainiac here, right? I mean, I, I just I don't think the swing will be as huge as people are saying. I think people like to pump that because of, their, because of the stuff that they have and because they want people to think it's going to do something. Um, but that's that's kind of what I think. So, anyway, my last point on this episode is just that for the second straight year, and I think three of the last four years, the playoffs are, are really marred with injuries. Uh, the Steph Curry injury and the 
Chris Paul injury are really unfortunate. Um, my Jazz didn't make the playoffs because of injuries. Um, you can laugh at that and say whatever, whatever. The the team missed you know a huge percentage of the year without Gobert and without Favors. They missed even a larger percentage of the year with you know without one of the two. They missed their entire. They missed all 82 games by their starting point guard Dante Exum. Uh, they missed over half the season out of their six-man Alec Burks. Um, the Jazz just got annihilated by injuries. The Warriors ha- were relatively healthy this year. That's what allowed them to get to 73 games. They had the Spates injury for the last 20-ish games, the Iguodala injury for the last, what, 15 games to 12 games. Um, Steph took a couple of games off in the middle. Draymond had some... Did he miss a game or two? I think maybe he did. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I think he might have... Anyways, um, Bogut and his typical stuff, but pretty decent health out of those guys. They were very fortunate with their injuries. Their injuries came mostly to their 6th, 7th, and ninth guys on their team. Um, San Antonio... Pretty fortunate. A little bit of things here and there, but Pop did his normal stuff where he rested, guys. Um, Injuries are a big deal. Injuries affect players. um, Players' collectability because, as we've talked about, how a player does in the big games and the big moments are, especially in the short term, what is incredibly... uh, what what really affects value, and if you take the player out of the game, they can't they can't do anything. Obviously, so um, I just I I think that I think like a lot of other people do that the NBA needs to fix this. I have a very long winded sort of response to how the NBA can fix a lot of its problems, and I think. The problems are. I need. I need to write. I need to write an article on this because I've been thinking about it for a long time. I think there's a solution, and I think the problem with with all of this is whenever you change one thing in the NBA, you hurt something else, right? So it's like a big puzzle. One part of the puzzle is you need to have the right incentives, right? Right now, you've got teams that are incentivized to tank. And so if you say, well, then I'm going to not allow the first few pick, the worst few teams in the league to get the, the, the best pick, then teams are going to figure out a way to get to the place where they do get the best pick. Um, if, t- if I've, I've heard people say, well, you should give the number one pick to the, be- to the best team that doesn't make the playoffs. Well, would the Rockets have been trying to make the playoffs in the last final final days of the season if they knew that they were going to get the one or two pick in the draft or either that or play Golden State in the first round? You better believe they would have lost those games intentionally. So, so you change it. You change something about the rules, and it will affect everything else, right? People say, well, we should shorten the season. Well, of course we should shorten the season, but nobody's going to agree to that. Both the players and the owners aren't going to agree to that because nobody wants to make less money, right? I mean, nobody's really going to ever agree with that. So how do you fix it all, right? How do you make more, make as much money? How do you, um, how do you, how do you fix 
all of it. The, the tanking, the injuries, the all of it. You can't fix everything, right? But how do you do the best with that? Well, I think the first thing they need to do is they need to give teams more rest between the end of the regular season and the playoffs. This year it was two days, and that's not long enough. Um, they need some time to actually recoup. Um, not enough for them to get rusty, but I think they need five or six game, five or six days. And so what I think they do is they cut the season by a game or two games, and then in those four or five days, they do a small tournament that allows a couple of teams to play in for the last few spots of the playoffs. And the teams that go into this tournament are a large population, not the entire population, but a large population of those 14 or 14 teams plus the last few spots. So I guess 16, uh, 16 teams to, to play in for the last four spots in the playoffs. I think if you do this, you keep teams' attention. You give teams the opportunity to need to win up until the end of the year. And then you don't give those those worst four teams um, the chance to, to play into the playoffs. A single elimination mini tournament would be so amazing. Now, obviously, the teams that are playing in that single elimination mini tournament wouldn't get wouldn't get the rest. But that rest is what you win by winning games throughout the year. Um, I think the other thing that they need to do is they need to give teams the uh, the option of who they play in the first round. They don't just assign teams. So, like, take for example this season, right? The um, the Warriors were the best team easily. And they got to choose. They had um, teams that they could have played in the first round. Uh, the Rockets is who, who they who they needed to play, who they were matched up against. Had they had the option, I think they may have taken the Grizzlies, given how beaten up the Grizzlies were. And would you rather play a team like the Grizzlies or a team with James Harden? Maybe they would have just taken the Rockets. But given that they won the number of games that they won. I think they should have the right to choose that. Um, I think that um, I think that there are so many things that you can do like that to make the season more interesting, to make it more fun, and um, to also prevent injuries. Like I said, to give additional rest. Um, I love that they give them almost a full week off in the middle of the season for for the All Star break. But that last 25 games is a real grind. It's and for a lot of these teams, the last the, that last 10 or 15 games is like the playoffs. The Jazz have basically been playing playoff games for the last month and a half, and they finally just wore out, um, especially you know with after all the injuries and stuff, and um, and there needs to be additional breaks in there. So. Um, the way that I think that, that you can do that is through this play-in tournament. Uh, you could call it whatever you want it, whatever you want to. But anyway, I just I'm really disappointed for Chris Paul. I'm really disappointed for Steph, but I think he'll be okay. But for Chris Paul, he's 30 years old. He's a top 10 point guard of all time. Um, some people have him higher than that. He's the only guy to go 20 and 10 uh, in points and assists for the longest time, and he's been professional he works hard he's been great and I think this is his fifth time in the last five years in the playoffs where he's encountered some sort of injury in the playoffs that's kept him out and I just feel bad for the guy 
I know the rest probably wouldn't have helped the sort of injury that he had. They're just these freak things that happen. But I feel for Clippers fans. Um, I uh, I hope that uh, I hope that the rest of the playoffs is awesome, though. I hope that you guys uh, enjoy the end of the first round um, as we get into the second round and the conference finals. That's really where real lasting sort of legacies and memories of the of the playoffs are made right now we're still just kind of having fun and watching these guys do things i think what we're going to see though is unless steph can get hurt and can get can get back quickly i think that the winner of that san antonio okc series is going to go play in the finals against lebron and uh i think the Cavs are on a mission right now and uh don't don't look past them uh but then again, they've got to play. They've got to play possibly Atlanta, and then who knows who in the in the conference finals. So, anyway, uh, thank you for listening today. Again, if you have any, if you want to be part of our collectors um, spotlight, uh, please send me a message. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, follow me at the Twenty Seven Guy. If you want to tell your your a couple of your basketball junk basketball card junkie friends about about the show, please do. Um, the as soon as busy season's over, I will make sure I start doing those. Um, start doing the conversational pieces. Still, really do have a couple of those good ones lined up. And those of you who have reached out to me about that, I love I love the idea. Um, we'll make sure that it happens. And I hope that we can keep this going and make it entertaining for all of you guys. So if you have any ideas of how to make it better, hit me up. Always happy to listen to it. Um, and as always, uh, have fun watching the games this week. Let me know if you pull anything big. And happy collecting. Happy collecting.